All right, so growing up, when you guys are in high school, junior high, uh, what kind of uh, classes did you take? I'm not talking about like took English and math and stuff like that. No one cares about those classes. I mean like other types of classes. Like who did home ec? Okay. Drama. Choir. Choir. Ag. Okay, yeah, I knew some guys doing ag. Um, how about some other ones? I pointed to you. What? Metal shop, yeah, um, band, I heard over here. Mechanic, okay. Orchestra, okay. Um, cross stitch, okay. There's, man, these are all the ones that aren't in schools anymore. <laughs> you know, you know the very less, you know, less and less bands, less and less. Um, I'm surprised Salome actually, they do band, usually uh, first year students, everyone has to take band. Now, I always thought that was really good. Shop, yeah. Um, drafting. drafting. Oh, my dad did that in high school. Um, I'm pretty sure. What? Debate. Debate. Yeah, that. I think that's one of the best ones. That everyone should do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think he took that in high school. <laughs> I know. She's saying what she's taking. She takes a gymnastics class. What was that? Price speaking is that kind of like a like a debate, um, public speaking type of thing? Okay. Toastmaster, a, a class? Oh, what she's. Okay. Um, so I took this class. Uh, I don't know what it was called. It was like a life skills class, but it wasn't like a home ec. I did take one of those, you know, in, um, in high school. But um, that's why I'm such a good husband. Um, but, but we took, I took this one in junior high that it focused on life skills and, and if you were really good in the class, um, you got to stay into summer and they call it summer school and then you got to do more stuff and so I got to do that too. Um, but in the, what was interesting in this class, it, it, it did like, t uh, speaking in front of people, uh, but that wasn't the point, like it wasn't a debate or public speaking class. Um, we learned things like puppeteer, like puppeteering, um, and so that we in the summertime, those that were lucky enough to be a part of that class, um, we we went to the nursing homes around the county, and we actually put on puppet shows, um, and so this was it was a really interesting class. But the one thing that always stuck with me from this class was the listening. Like we learned to active listen. And in fact, it was a two-day class, so we, you know, we went to school one day in 45 minutes, and then the next day we did the exact same thing, except what we would do is we would sit with a partner and would sit across from each other, and for 45 minutes, our partner would talk to us. That was it. They would talk to us, and our job was to listen, and then afterwards write down everything they said. Like that, we were to learn to active listen. And then the next day, we would do the opposite. We would speak, and they would listen, and they would have to write everything down. It was a really interesting, and it stuck with me all this time. And so I've always, like, tried to be a good listener, you know, and try to really take time, because I've learned that to listen is to learn. You can't really learn anything if you're not listening. And so... I'm trying to incorporate this into my life. Now, sometimes I've been told, especially from kids, that I don't listen. 
um, but I try very hard. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is listening to God. All right, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to look at the entire chapter today. And so, but as we get into 1 Samuel 3, starting in verse 1, um, let's talk about where we are in our wrecked series, right? We're talking about being wrecked by God in the sense of our lives before Christ, God wrecks that and brings us into his new life, okay? So what are some of the things that God wrecks? And that's what we're talking about. So the first thing we talked about was from Paul's life. Paul was kind of this self-righteous, I am following God. Anyone that does not follow God the way that uh, we specifically say in, the, in Judaism, then they are wrong and they need to be taken out, right? This was Paul's thing. And so God wrecks him by tearing out that self-righteousness, that, that idea that I can be good enough for God, that I am, I am doing the Lord's work and I'm doing it at the expense of the people, right? And, and really what God does, when Jesus meets him on that road to Damascus, he gets Paul to recognize his wretchedness, that he isn't, that his self-righteousness is nothing, that his... The way he perceives God in the scriptures is wrong. You know, that this Jesus is God come down. That, and so throughout the rest of his writings, we see things where he calls himself the wretched man, where he says, um, I am the least of the uh, apostles, the least of God's people, because he, his idea of his righteousness has been wrecked. And he realized in comparison to God, he is nothing. And so we see that through the rest of his um, writings in the New Testament, that as the Holy Spirit leads, that he puts forth. And so we talked about how when we're in relationship with God, we have to understand our wretchedness before Christ so that we can better understand God's love. Because when we understand how deep God has brought his grace down to us to say, I'm going to lift you out of this position of, of sinfulness then we can better understand God's love. Then we can understand, man, this love isn't just, hey, I love you. It's, no, I die for you. I leave, the, I leave heaven for you. I come down. I walk among you. I am crucified for you. This is the love that God has for us. And so it's, a, it's more than just, you know, we, our, especially our modern day understanding of love is, oh yeah, I can fall in and out of it, right? This is, no, this is deep love. And so, when we understand our wretchedness, then we can better understand God's love. And so that was the first week. In the second week, we talked about this guy named Nathaniel. And Nathaniel doesn't, we don't know a lot about Nathaniel. All we know is what very little is in the scriptures, which is just his encounter with Jesus. And that's it. Like, that's all we really know about him. But we do see within that encounter that he is kind of an arrogant person. That he, he says the thing, you know, what good comes out of Nazareth, right? Kind of dismissive, like nothing comes out of that. But what wrecks him is when Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. Because Jesus saw Nathaniel. He sees him in all his sinfulness. He sees him there. And because Jesus sees him and has that sight, Nathaniel says, you are the Christ. And he follows him, and we find out from church history that he follows him to the point, not just the martyrdom, the, but to one of the most horrific martyrdoms, right? He's, he's filleted, and then he's 
crucified and possibly beheaded after he was crucified. So I mean like he gets one of the worst, yet we know very little of him compared to like Paul or to Peter. And so, but we walked away from his life saying, you know what? We need to be content just by being seen by God. No one else. The world can say, you know, good job, you did, you know, that doesn't matter. What does Christ say about me? That's all that should matter to me. And so we talked about that. That first, so the first idea is we recognize our wretchedness in light of God's love and we recognize, hey, I don't need anyone to, to build me up or, you know, say good job. What I need is Christ and I need to be seen by him. So that was our second week and our third week. Last week we went through the book of Esther and Esther is a woman. She is beautiful and she is wise and she, even in fear, she is, she goes forward and she is, um, she walks that line that she needs to walk. And so we saw in her life the fact that nowhere in, the, in that book does God say, thus saith the Lord, right? There's no, God intervenes and says, this is what Esther you need to do. Instead, we see a woman who walks in the commands of God. That she just does what God had already said to do. So honor your father and mother. She does that with Mordecai. You know, seek me in fasting. She does that. And so she does these things. She follows the commands of God, not because God just said, you know, comes out and it's the, it's the pillar of smoke, right, or the pillar of fire. It's, uh, it's not the, the cloud. It's, it's not the rumbling thunder. It's just follow the commands, right? And we see this in her life. And so we talked about how when we don't hear God, we still got to be doing what he says to do. Okay? We, if God says, don't steal, we can't ask God, hey, is it okay if I steal? right? No, he's already spoken. So he doesn't need to say that again. Don't lie. God, can I lie in this situation? No, he's already spoken, right? So we just need to follow the commands of God. So we said that. So we needed to be doing what God has already said while actively watching for God, what God wants next. So, okay, God, I, I don't know what you want right now, but I'm going to do what you've already told me to do. And when you reveal the next step, then I'll walk in that too. Right? So these are the three things that we've talked about so far. This week we're going to talk about listening. And so we open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to read the whole thing. So here we go. Verse 1. The boy Samuel, okay, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down on his, in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, the, of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel. Oh, and Samuel answered. Sorry, I said what he said without what he said. All right. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know yet the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, 
Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the um, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called to him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was, what was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he re revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And so you have, this is probably one of the most um, talked about callings next to Isaiah's um, in Scripture. Um, next to Moses. I mean, you have these, these great callings of people from God. And so you have Moses, you have Abraham, you have um, Samuel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all these different callings. And so in this moment, you have, and I think this is a funny moment, really, if you think about it. You have, you're going down, you're, it's, a, it's at night. Eli's, he's an older guy, and so he's tired. He's, he's resting, and all of a sudden, here comes the boy comes in and says, what do you want? You called me. And Eli says, I didn't call you. You know, go back to bed. And it happens again. Go back to bed. I've had this with my youngest, you know, when they're young, right? They just, I need a drink of water. I need to use the bathroom. I need a hug. It's like what you need is to go back to bed, right? That's what you need. And, and so, but, you know, Samuel's doing this, and then Eli recognizes Wayside again. No, he's hearing. He's hearing God. And so he tells him what he needs to do. He goes back. Samuel has this encounter with God. And from there, then you get into the, it's, it's not good for Eli, right? God's like, hey, kid, I'm going to tell you this. Eli is going to get judgment against him. Now, as a kid, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not going to tell anyone that. That's not going to make Eli happy. And then the next day, Eli goes, you better tell me. Or I'm going to, God's going to get you. <laughs> you know? And he tells him what happens. And what Eli responds with, whatever the Lord says is good is good, right? This is, this is what needs to happen. And then it goes on that Eli becomes, or Eli, Samuel becomes a prophet. He's known all across the land. God meets him, right? And so this, it's this, I think it's a funny moment, but it's like a very powerful moment because this is not only is it a calling but it teaches us what it means to listen to God and so that's what we're going to talk about is this idea of that 
the whole idea of being wrecked is we need to not just have our our actions changed, but it's also our perceptions changed by God. That a lot of times that we can think, well, God does this and God does this. Well, what does God actually do, right? And so to Eli, he wrecked um, his family, right? Like he literally goes in there and judges the family. The boys die and everything. Um, sad, but that's what had to happen. It was a judgment on their actions, right? And so this whole situation is about how God speaks. And there's multiple ways God speaks in here, and we're only going to focus on three of them today, right? I, the reason why is because these are the three most common ways God speaks. And the first one that we're going to talk about is that God speaks through... Um, did I mess that up? No, I, I'm missing one. See? See? I thought I made those people in the first service my guinea pigs, and I did not do it right. Okay. Oh, this is... A, they gave me from Esther. This doesn't help me at all. I, I was just thinking... It's right. Mordecai. Wait a second. All right. Well, hopefully I can get this right. Okay. So I'm going to try to keep up with your notes without... I messed up. So the first thing, the first thing that we should see is that God speaks to us through mature believers. Okay? God speaks to us through mature believers. I don't know why it's not up there. I mean, it's not Carol's fault. It's definitely my fault. So I don't want anyone to think Carol's fault because if Carol's at fault, then I'm at fault. Then I'm at fault. I'm at fault. Right. So it's my fault. That's what I just said. All right? So the first thing on that, it should be that God speaks through mature believers. Now, I say mature believers because a mature believer is not, no offense, is not necessarily an older believer, okay, in age, right? Because I've ran into people that are older, not mature in the faith at all. I've run into people younger who are very mature in the faith. You know, so it's a mature person in the faith. How do you know someone's mature? Just, just from Eli, just from Eli's life, okay? That's all we're looking at from the passage. One, he knew that was God's voice, okay? So Eli knew the voice of God. Now, he didn't always do what was right. That's where the judgment comes. So mature believer doesn't necessarily do everything right, okay? Because I've seen some mature believers, they've been godly, they've been right there, and they just messed up. You know, I've seen that time and time again. And when we get to a point where, like, nothing can touch me, like, in this prideful attitude, that's when you fall, right? That's when Scripture says that you fall, okay? So a mature believer recognizes that they can fall because they've recognized when they've fallen, okay? So there's that. And we actually see this in um, Elijah's life, or Eli's life. I'm going to mess that up constantly through this. Through Eli's life, that okay. So first, oh, is there it is? I don't know. We're up there. Oh, that's at the end. That's yeah. Don't yeah. Anyways, yeah. Don't worry about that. Man, we're all messed up this morning. I thought I was going to have a good morning too, and then I messed up on that yesterday, and so it just messes you up. Yeah. Um, 
so, but with, with Eli, so you have him, he knows God's voice, and so he's able to point Samuel to it, right? He's able to say, hey, that's God's voice. This is what you need to say in response, right? That I am your servant. Here I am. I am your servant, right? And so that's one way we can know a, a, a mature believer. They know the voice of God themselves. That means that they've, they've spent time, right, getting to know God, uh, God and getting to know his voice. We'll see later on how they do that. But they have taken time, right? They have that relationship with God. Another way we can tell is at the end, when Samuel tells Eli what God has said, what does Eli respond with? That's what God says is good. What God says is good is good, right? This idea that God is right. And he accepts God's discipline, right? He accepts it. That, to me, is the stamp of a mature believer. Is that when you mess up, you accept the responsibility. Because the, a perfect example of not accepting responsibility is a child. Right? A child will not re accept responsibility. They'll always say, I didn't do it. Yep. Yeah, it was, some, it was this person. It was that person. Yep. Children do that. And so when, when I talk to someone and they don't take responsibility, I don't, like, they'll say, well, I'm a, say, uh, an older person. I've, um, a while back I had a boy and he was, a uh, boy, he was married and he came to me for counseling and he's like, he tells me, you know, my wife is, she's just being mean to me and I don't understand why. And I said, I know why. Because I've watched your Facebook. It, you you do some bad stuff on there. Like you post these pictures of other girls. And I, and he's like, well, I don't do that. Let's go on your Facebook. You know, it, you're a boy. Right? You're not a man. You're not mature. It's because mature people accept responsibility. They accept what they do. And we see that in Eli's life. So Eli, he speaks, he says, I know the, uh, the voice of God, this is what you need to do. And he accepts the responsibility when God speaks, knowing that whatever God says is just. And that's a sign of a, a mature believer. And so you have both the relationship with God with the, the intimacy of the voice of God, knowing the voice of God, and the, the responsibility that comes with maturity. And so these two things, I think, are stamps of a mature Christian. Now, there's more to it, but in this, we can see those stamps. So we need that from believers. So a perfect example of this through Scripture is with Rehoboam, right? You get to Second Kings, and there's this Rehoboam becomes king, and I was, I was sharing this with one of my kids the other day. Rehoboam becomes king, and he asks, the people say, hey, we need to stop, you need to stop taxing us so bad, like your father did, so too much of a burden. And Rehoboam asks the wise counselors, what should I do? And they say, yes, you need to relieve the taxes, you know, not, not so heavy. And then he asks his friends about the same age, what should I do? And they say, you should do double it. Make them really suffer, you know, really push it. And what does he do? He does what his friends say, and it tears the kingdom in half. And so we need to find people that have wise, that they're mature believers that have wise counsel from. And so we need to have that in our lives. Um, the second one, okay, so let me give you an example of this. This is where that next slide comes in. 
Okay, so an example of this, to me, the best example in Scripture comes from Exodus 18. Okay, we, if you've been in church, you know the story. Um, and if you haven't been in church, but you've seen the prince of Egypt, you basically know the story, right? Moses, he is, he's saved down the river, right? He becomes a prince of Egypt. He kills a man. He runs off. He comes back as the messenger of God when he encounters God in the burning bush, right? And then he comes, they, the 10 plagues happen, the, they leave, the crossing of the Red Sea happens, and now, so we're at that point. We're past the Red Sea. And they're headed off towards the mountain of God to meet God. Chapter 18 happens before that. And this is what happens. Chapter 18, starting in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law shows up. This is one of the reasons why I have respect for my father-in-law. Okay? Because of this passage. Right? He's never going to watch this. So don't tell him that I say anything good because he's a Giants fan so there's hardly anything good about him anyways so but this is something you know my wife's over there and so anyways he actually last night he he like re, uh, what's it called he he like made fun of me last week last night okay so you know what I've got a little open sore here anyways so but this is Moses's father-in-law Exodus 18 starting in verse 17 it says this Moses's father-in-law replied what are what you are doing is not good you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representation before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are, um, and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. Okay? This is a mature believer. This is a guy who is a priest of God, right? And he comes to Moses and he sees his problems, right? He sees that he's in need, right? And he says, look, you can't continue down this, right? You can't continue in this pattern. And so he gives them counsel. These are the things you need to do. You need to separate these things out. But then he says, and if God commands, Right? That's a mark of a, of a mature believer. Here's some advice, but you better go to God and confirm it. Right? Don't just do it, because it's good advice. But if God doesn't command that, then don't do it. Right? And so, he does it. He puts it into practice. God, you know, everything moves forward. And you know what the next chapter is? Mount Sinai. is where God now speaks to the whole nation. And so, but Moses is in this point where he's doing all this good stuff. He's doing what God commands, but then he gets bogged down. And he needs a mature believer to come to him and say, look, this is what you need to do. And he does it. And he's able to continue the relationship with God, continue in what God had for him to do. And so, 
it's to me the best place in Scripture where a mature believer comes to a believer and they accept the, the advice and move forward in their relationship. Um, this one, Proverbs. So Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. This is just, a, this kicks off Proverbs. Solomon is, you know, this whole this um, proverbial book um, starts out with this idea of, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head, and a chain to adore your neck. This idea of, look, listen to the mature, right? Because if you don't, it's going to turn out bad for you. It's good to know. So if someone goes ahead of me, this is actually why we have the sermon discussions on Sunday night. I'll, we just Sometimes we just sit there in silence. Right? And Jim makes the comment, you guys better say something. Jeremiah won't say anything. <laughs> because I won't. Because my desire is to listen and learn from mature believers. Right? Here's the reality of it. How many of you have been in the faith for, for five years? Five and under. Okay. Okay, that's... that's no, no, so yeah, so not if, if it's later, but five and under. Okay? Okay. How many ten and under? Okay. How many fifteen and under? Okay. I'm, I'm right there. I'm fifteen and under. Okay. How many twenty and under? How about 30? How about 40? Okay. Now we're getting up to the, the high ones, right? How about 50? And 60? Okay, 70. How about 80? Yeah, my son. Yeah. You were there. Um, but, okay. So, for me, right, I've been a, I've been a Christian, yeah, um, about... 14 years? No, I've been, I've been here for 15 years. Uh, <laughs> plus four. Yeah, I'm not very good at math, okay? Um, so, so we're at 19? Okay, my wife knows. Um, so 19 years, okay? So I'm at 19 years. Do you, I need to learn from mature believers. That's why I sit back and I listen. And if you watch me, I'm over there writing down. I'm looking stuff up because I, I want to know. I am hungry for who God is. And I have, I have what not a lot of pastors have, mature believers in their congregation. And I want to know what God has taught you. I desire it because I see people like Moses who listened and God worked. And I want that. It's one of those selfish things. I hope it's not that selfish. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want it because I want more of God. And you guys have walked that path. I want it. Because when I'm your age, I want to be able to talk to the Jeremiah and say, this is what God does. And so, mature believers, we need to speak to them. And there's always a more mature believer than us. Always is. You know, unless you're 100 years old and you outlived everyone around you. But you know what? There still might be someone that's younger that might be more mature. And so we need to listen to the mature believers. Okay? Bless you. The second way we can hear God's voice from this passage is through the audible sound. Right? The audible. So Samuel, he does say Samuel. Right? This is an audible sound. 
And there's two ways God speaks audibly through the scriptures. Okay, the first one is the boom voice. Okay, now this is how Job, in the book of Job, it's described. This is actually Elihu is describing it. But listen to how Elihu describes the, the boom voice of God. This is chapter 37, starting in verse 2. He says, listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. When his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice, voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. And this, this understanding of the voice and the reverberation of the voice, this is one of those things that I have never heard and I don't want to hear, and this is why. Because when the voice of God booms, people fall down dead. You know, they are afraid. Perfect example of this. You go to Exodus. This isn't going to be up there, but you go to Exodus, right? You, Exodus 18, Exodus 19. What happens? The people come to, Is, the people come to Sinai and... God's there, and it's this thunder, lightning, it's this booming, and what do they do? Okay, Moses, you go up there. We don't want to have this conversation with God. But what was God's intention? To speak to the people, right? They weren't supposed to touch the mountain, but he still wanted to talk to them. But they said no. They were afraid. And we see this throughout Scripture, that God's voice, when it's the boom voice, it's terrifying. And really, if you think back to when you were a kid, when it was the boom voice of the parent, what did that mean? You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Some, the boom voice means there's authority, there's power, and it's greater than you. And it, it, the, the loving relationship of child and parent has gone out the window, and now it's the disciplinarian. That needs to come in. Or it's, and so when you see God in his boom voice, it's always connected to his holiness. And it's, it's fearful, right? Because you recognize in that moment, you are God and I am definitely not. And so I've never heard this. I have talked to believers that have heard this voice. And this is what they, they get. It's, this is a powerful thing. It shudders your bones type of thing. And so the other type that we see in Scripture, uh, we can see in 1 Kings 19, um, 9 through 8, 18. And this is this comes on, and I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. It's Elijah. And in 1 Kings, you get this great moment where Elijah's on that mountain, and it's him versus these 400 prophets of Baal, and he challenges them, and he says, you make an altar, I'll make an altar. Whichever God burns it first, that's the true God. And he says, you go first. And they're over there, they're doing their thing, they're cutting themselves, and he's making fun of them. And it's, it's really a great, like, it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's a really funny passage. And then he's like, I'll do, you know, we'll let my God do this. And he says, bring some water. And he says, douse that thing. Get it so, so it's soaking wet. And then he says, God, you know, you're the true God. And he prays, and here comes the fire of God. It burns it up. It says it licks everything up. It just consumes the altar. 
And then Elijah says, see those guys over there, those 400 guys? Let's kill them. You know, I mean, it's like, like it's just a, like this powerful scene. And then the, it's like in the very next verse, Jezebel, the queen, the, she's the one that's getting all these people to come over to get Israel to follow Bell. She's like, I want to kill Elijah. And so what does Elijah do? He runs. And he runs away. And God, the angel comes to him in the wilderness and says, go to this mountain, which is the same mountain, Mount Hor, Mount Sinai. And Elijah goes there and he's completely bummed out. He's oppressed and everything because he thinks he's all by himself. He's going to die. And this is the passage we get right then. And so in 1 Kings starting verse 11, 1 Kings 19 starting verse 11, it says, the, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. By the way, side note, this is a little bit of um, um, personality of God. The Lord, go out to see the Lord. The Lord speaking, go out to see the Lord. Anyways, um, it's very connected to uh, Exodus 3 in this passage. Anyways, see there's so much in Scripture we can't tackle everything. Um, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Very reminiscent of other parts of Scripture where God asked questions. Um, but you notice that Elijah is a mature believer, even though he messed up. Because when the voice came, he recognized it. It was in the whisper. And so he goes out there, he covers his face in the presence of God. And he goes out there to listen. And this is the, we see this throughout Scripture a lot, that God speaks closely with people. This whisper there's the boom. There's constant booms, always connected with holiness. And there's whispers too. Come close. Right? This idea that you come close. Come here. Let me talk to you. And really, if you think about this is booms, right, are the get your attention type of things. And whispers are the more intimate things. Um, and so one is, trying to get attention, right? You're trying to get their attention, trying to help them understand something. The other one is come close so I can talk to you. And this, you know, we do this in our lives. Um, this is how I always describe it. When you're in a, a group and you have a, it's a party, right? And there's people, everyone, and you see your friend over there, and you go, hey, Fred, over here, right? The boom, right? The booming voice, right? You're getting their attention. But when you're close, you're going to talk in a normal tone, right? You're going to whisper, right? People don't overhear because you have things to talk about. You might leave the room so you guys can talk, right? You never say across the room when there's a bunch of people that you don't know, Hey, Fred, how is that boil on your backside doing? <laughs> right? Because that's not something you, you say, because the relationship is, is close, you would talk to them about that, right? And so this is the difference between the two voices of God. And I'll, sh I'll share with you. I, this voice I have heard, like personally, and I'll tell you when it was. 
it was so I was on the back of my porch at the house where um, I lived my last few years with my parents. I was on the back porch, nothing. I was about 16 years old. I just come to Christ, 16, um, going on 17, um, and I was just out there. And this is all it said. It was bright, you know. I lived out in the country, so um, in this little town, and it was just I made that. That was it. I was just looking up at the stars, and the voice said, I, I made that. That was it. I remember it clear as day. Bright stars, bright sun, a uh, bright sun, <laughs> bright moon. It was like a blue, it was dark blue over here, but then it was a lighter blue sky. It was still dark, but still light blue. Green grass. Still remember the day perfectly, and I hear the voice even now. I made that. That was it. And I've, I've never heard the whisper again in that way. But I've heard it again. But in that, it was audible. And it, I've, I still feel like if someone was around, they would have heard it too. But it was just, I made that. Like I said, I've never heard the boom, but I've heard that. The last way... The final way in which God speaks that we see in this section, right, is this. God speaks through his word, right? In the very last verse of this chapter, it says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through the word. So he called Samuel, but then he revealed himself through the word. This is really important because the Word is our primary way God speaks. It's the primary way. And so we see things like in John 14, 26. In John 14, 26, Jesus says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And so what did the apostles do? What did the disciples do? They write down everything that God had said to them. Right? Or not everything, but things for us to understand, you know, in certain ways as the Holy Spirit led, for us to understand who He is. That's the Scriptures. Right? And so what now? I read the Scriptures, and then what the Holy Spirit does? Remind me. Jeremiah, remember what Jesus said here. Remember what God told the Israelites. Remember this. And I go, okay. I'll do that. If that's what you want, then that's what I need to do. Help me do that. Right? So that's one thing. In Joshua, Joshua 1.8, you might have heard the verse, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous, right? That's a, that gets put on billboards. It gets put on walls. What comes before that? This. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And then he says, be strong and courageous. You can't be strong and courageous without diving into God's word. You're going to be weak and scared. Because you don't have God's voice right there with you. It's important that we read God's word. That we're in it, we meditate it, we learn it, we know it. Now, I'm not saying that you have to know every address, right? Because I, I sure don't. 
I am horrible at remembering exactly what address is. Okay, so I'll say things like, okay, this verse, I know this verse, it's in John, it says this, and my wife will go, that is John 3, 4. Okay, <laughs> I don't know, but she, she like can hold addresses in her head like she is a telephone book. <laughs> and I'm over here like, I don't know, GPS recalculating all the time. And, you know... And so, but we need to know, okay, God, this is what you said. I know this is what you said. Let me walk in it. Okay? And if you can learn the address, it's better for you. Because then you can go right to it. Right? There are times when I'm like, I know God said this in like Ezekiel. And I'm like, okay, now I spend the next hour finding it. And it was in chapter one. You know, and I just like, just, ah, I'm so bad at that. But we need to know it. God, take me to it. God, remind me. And then the Hebrew writer, he says this, in the opening of his chap in his book, he says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Okay? But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him also he made the universe. Where do we get that, those words? They're in his written word. That's where they are. So where do I need to go? Jesus, where do you speak? Do I go to the Quran? Right? Do I go to the, the Vedas? No, I go to the Bible. Because this is where his word is. This is where it's written down. It's not written in these other books. It's right in here. That's why it's important. Okay? Now I want to do a couple of things real quick. First, um, I've heard this said. You can talk to God, but you can't. But if God talks to you, you're crazy. Okay? The reason why I don't care about that and, and is because of what we talked about with Nathaniel. I only need to be seen by God. So if he talks to me, I don't care if the world says I'm crazy. It doesn't matter. It does not matter if the world says I'm crazy. Because this is, I love what 1 Corinthians 1.18, I did a whole sermon on this one verse for Good Friday one time. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are, who are perishing, but to, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. So I don't care if I look crazy in front of people. I've shared what I'm sharing with you today with people before, and they're like, yeah, that's kind of weird. I'm like, yeah. It is. But it's God weird. And I'd rather be God weird than be world weird. Because you guys are weird. You know? Um, but right here, we need to do some disclaimers. All right, a couple of disclaimers. First, God will never speak in contradiction to his word. Okay? Never. So if God says lie, that's not God. Easy as that. It will never contradict his word. So it's important we read his word. Because if a voice ever says something different, then it's wrong. This is Genesis 3. Did not God say? And if 
Eve would have kept to the word of God, she would not have fallen to it, to the, to the temptation. But she said, well, he didn't say that. Instead, you know, like she even changes it herself. She changes what God said. She says, don't even touch it unless you die. Right? You can't even touch it. That's not what God said. He said, don't eat. Right? But she added to the word of God. And so, God will never contradict his word. And so we see this actually in Matthew, right? Matthew 18 um, through 19. It says this, Jesus, you know, I love this because this is, we put this in context. We get the Beatitudes, the blessings, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed, you know, all these blessings. And then you have, skip this part, but then you go into and you just have Jesus saying things like, um, you have heard it said, right? You have heard it said these things again and again, right? But right before that, but in, the, in between you get this verse, or these, these series of verses. And it's really important that we know that, because everything that follows hinges on that. And so he says this, in verse, sorry, in verse 18, bless you. Um, it says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What's really interesting about this is, so what is Jesus talking about? Right? He's talking about the entirety of the Old Testament, right? Because these are the, the commands and, and the words of God. So, none of it is gone away with, right? None of it's gone away with. And really, if you're not in Christ, you're still under the penalty of sin, right? And how do you know the penalty of sin? It's really interesting. So, you go into the Old Testament. The Old Testament's really three laws, right? You go into the law. It's really three laws, right? You have the civil law, which is how do you do, how do you live as the people of God, as a civilization, right? So this is, um, if the brother steals your donkey, you are compensated, right? That type of law. Um, then you have the ceremonial laws, which are the religious laws, which are the, you have to bring this certain animal at this certain time to be sacrificed, right? And then you have the moral law, which is do not murder, Okay? It's the Ten Commandments, basically. Right? But it's the, the so the moral law is the, the law that from everything comes. You're a sinner by breaking that law. Now, if you want to do it on your own, civil law, ceremonial law. If you think you can get to heaven on your own, there you go. There's your laws. Follow those. But you can't. So you need Christ. To fulfill those, right? Am I saying anything that's too weird? Okay? No, so Christ, because we can't do that, we can't keep any of that, we have Christ who does it all. Keeps all the law, all three laws perfectly. Okay? And now we have access to God through Christ and Christ alone. But if you want to do it on your own, there's, there's the laws. Have fun with that. And so until all things are accomplished, those laws aren't gone. But what does Jesus say about those laws? 
And the, the verse right before it, see, I'm just jumping over things. So there's, there's Matthew, way back here. So in Matthew, right before this, Jesus says this, verse 17, Do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And I tell, yeah, but to fulfill them. That's what Christ does. And so Christ doesn't get rid of these things. So if, if you have someone that says, you know, God doesn't care if you lie. God doesn't care if you commit adultery. God doesn't care if you do this. That is in contradiction to his written word. And he will not contradict that. Unless it's been, and it's not even unless, it's if God has fulfilled something, right? He's fulfilled the ceremonial law. So do you have to not eat shellfish, right? No. Why? Because Christ has fulfilled those requirements, right? He's fulfilled certain things. But you know what? You still can't murder, still can't steal. You cannot still commit adultery. You know, you still can't do the moral law. You know, the, against the moral law. And so, but when you do, Christ is saved. His blood covers. And so, but if someone ever says something, and this is how Paul says it in Galatians. So in Galatians 1, 8 through 9, says this, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That's heavy stuff right there. That's If someone comes to you and says, you know, Jesus didn't really die, you need to believe in this other Christ. That is wrong. Right? And so we need to, that's why this is so important. Um... Uh, I forget his name, uh, wrote Kingdom of the Cults. Um, Walt, 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 Walter Martin, <laughs> there we go, um, once said that in, in that book, he said that, you know how you know a counterfeit? You know the truth. You study the truth. Here it is. This is the most important thing of anything that we could do during the day, is to read the Word of God. Okay? The second disclaimer is this, and this is one that I, I just want to share with you because it's one I get. Okay, I've had younger believers come to me and say, I've, I've, I would, I'll share, I try not to share that story of hearing the whisper of God. I try not to share that because of this. I've had younger believers come to me and say, I've never heard that. Does that mean that God doesn't love me as much? Or does that mean that my standing with God is not as, as good as yours? Is that why you're more spiritual than me? You know, so I try not to share that story because the reality is no. The Hebrew writer, in his, in his opening verse, he says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times in various ways. I think God still speaks in various ways. Now, what I mean by that is not that new revelation, new, you know, ways of salvation, none of that, but rather in our relationship with God, he speaks in different ways. We're all different. We're all different children of God. And, and so God's going to speak to us in different ways. And so don't ever think that if I don't hear an audible voice, therefore I am less 
No, because God works in your life the way he does. And so it's not. If you hear the boom voice, I've never heard that. I've talked to believers that have said that they've had visions that were so real that they could feel the flames of God's holiness. I've never had a vision that like that. And I don't ever consider myself less. Because God, in that relationship with that believer, spoke differently. Because he had purpose in it. And if he ever does that with me, cool. If not, cool. It's God's, it's what Elijah, or Eli, Eli said. Whatever God wants, right? It's his. It's his prerogative. But we need to understand that it's not a thing where, sorry, you're less of a believer. Okay? So two disclaimers. So the final thing is just the challenge. I know we've, we're always over, but um, this is why I tell the people our, our, our um, services are an hour and a half long. <laughs> um, so I just want to challenge you to this in this this week. One, seek out mature believers to speak into your life. Okay? You might have someone that you know, and you can just, just go to them and tell them, hey, if you ever see anything wrong in my life, I know you're a godly person, I know you follow God, can you speak into my life? Um, this is why I have the elders, I have other people in my life that I, I purposely go to and I say, your job is to keep me accountable. If you see something in my life, you tell me. If God says something to you, you tell me. Because I want mature believers to speak in my life. Even when people that um, are not in that position, right? I haven't said, go to, come to me. If you come to me, and I've, I had a brother come to me this past year and say something to me, I am taking that to God. I'm going to go before God and say, okay, God, one of your, your people said this to me. Okay, God, talk to me. What do I need from you? What are you saying to me through them? It has, so anyone can come to me and say something to me, and I will take it under advisement. Okay? I will take it before God because I want to know where I can better follow God because I want him to do whatever he wants with me. And sometimes that means he slaps me in the head. Those aren't fun times, but it helps me. And I follow him better. So if you ever, if you're sitting there going, man, God told me, this, you know, wanted me to share this with Jeremiah. I'm not going to do that because, you know, he doesn't need to know that. No, you better, you better do it. Because God said, if God said it to you, you better tell me. Because if not, he's going to tell me another way. And then he's going to get someone to tell you. So let's just skip the middle, man, right? Let's just, so... So that's one. Find people that are mature believers that you can go to and say, hey, can you speak into my life? Because you, you are further down the road than I am. The second thing is to take some time and seek God in an audible voice. I don't think it's wrong for us to seek God speaking to us. Right? Here am I. This is what Samuel said. Here am I. So the only thing I would suggest is cut out the junk. 
turn off the cell phone, turn off the TV, go. We have a desert upon desert out here. Take a walk. Watch out for snakes, watch out for scorpions. They are out. But take a walk. God, speak to me. And then, active listening. Because this is one of the things, I do this every Sunday. Okay? I'm praying as I'm getting up. And this Sunday, it was, I was thinking of something else, and I go, wait a second. I completely took my focus off you, God. I'm supposed to be focusing right now on you. And I'm thinking about this other thing. God, take that away from me so I can hear you. And that's, So that was this morning. It, so take a walk. God, speak. Okay. The last one is read your scriptures. I always tell people, especially in our apologetics class, you better be checking me on everything. Okay. Go to the scriptures that I use because sometimes we're only looking at one verse. Go to that verse. Look at the the 30 around it, right? The 10 before it, the 10 around it, and then the 10 under it. And make sure that that's what God says. Plus then, you're getting, man, you're going to be reading through this book a lot. Because we are all over this book. And if you're here in the summertime and you're going through the book of Matthew with us, you're going to read that thing over and over and over again. And you're going to get so used to Matthew that it's always going to be on your mind. Because it always is on my mind. I'm just constantly remembering things. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened in Matthew. And then I'll get it mixed up because I'll be reading Luke too. And I'm like, wait a second. Luke said, who said that? You did. Right? It's, thank you. Right? It's like, you know, math. So, anyways, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but, so, go into the scriptures this week. We reread uh, uh, 1 Samuel 3. Um, go through Kings, one of my favorite passages. Go through Exodus 18. You know, go through these passages. Really read through them. Take one a day and just read through them. Um, you'll be blessed for it, and God's going to speak to you because there's so much more there that we can't cover right now. Um, and so do those things. And I really think if we take seriously God speak and we search after that, then what, what happened with Samuel? He was known as a prophet from Dan to Beersheba. And none of his words fell. I want to be like a Samuel. God, I want to know you and hear you so well that I am known as a follower of Christ. And so let's seek God's voice this week. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, that you speak through your word. That you speak to us as a father speaks to children. Lord, that you speak through our brothers and sisters. Lord, that you speak through visions and, and so many other ways, through dreams, through circumstances. Lord, you just speak. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to hear you and be so understanding of your word that we can hear your voice in the crowd and instantly know that it's you. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you. Because we couldn't even do this without your sacrifice on the cross and your resurrection. So, Lord, we thank you for that. I ask that you move by your Holy Spirit right now to, to speak to your people. My brothers and sisters this week, that you would speak to us. That we would know you and that we would walk greater with you. And so, Lord, we just thank you. As you...